Hey, uh, a result of revival can be not only um, fired up people for Jesus, you know, people whose lives are changed from the inside out, but also uh, those uh, people who are called to missions and to go to missions. And so that's often a result of what a revival can bring is not only transform lives, but people who are, who are eager to expand God's kingdom uh, on this earth as it is in heaven. And so these three weeks we are having here at Christ Covenant our annual missions conference. And my goal today is to remind us all of God's bigger picture for the world and why we are all called uh, to support world missions because every single one of us is responsible uh, to, to be a part of, of God's bigger vision for the world. And so what I want to do to start is I want to give you an example that was given from the book, Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. If you've never read it, it's a wonderful book on world missions. But I want you to imagine uh, uh, two ocean liners, you know, two almost cruise ship-like ships that are out in the ocean. And both ships, unfortunately, uh, hit like the Titanic and iceberg. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're several ways away from each other, a distance away from one another. They can faintly see uh, the other ship but both ships, unfortunately, were beginning to sink, and, and both ships did not have an, enough life preservers on it to save everyone on the ship. And by the way, I want you to imagine every person on that ship was unable to swim. And so they knew that not only would they hit ice water and they would die shortly after that, but they also couldn't swim. And so as you can imagine, the chaos that would be taking place as both ships were uh, going uh, to be sunk, and as they're sinking, imagine just the chaos that would be taking place on each ship. Well, I also want you to think about uh, two rescue boats. Uh, each boat has five individuals on it to help come and perform the, the rescue operation. Uh, the boats do not have uh, enough space for everybody to get on, but they're pretty large boats, and, and they're coming together, and both boats of, of, of 10 people each reach the first ship that's sinking. And obviously when they get there, mass chaos is taking place as people are looking for debris to maybe float on or people are looking for life preservers to, to get on. Or, and of course, everybody's going to the boat itself just to try to get on and people are falling off the ship and, and dying by the minute. Well, it's just mass pandemonium. But I want you to imagine the captain of this rescue team. He has to make a decision. Do I continue to help everybody on this first ship? Or as he's hearing the cry from the second ship saying, hey, come and save us too, the captain has to make the decision, do I send one of my boats and one of my teams over to rescue the other boat? Well, the captain ends up deciding to stay where they are because, again, he's trying to save as many people as he possibly can, and he reasoned that if he were to send his other rescue squad to there, they would have to row all the way over there. They would, they would run out of energy by the time they reach it. By the time they reach the other boat, it, it, there may not be enough time, and they're going to lose all the lives that they could have they helped on this first ship. So that was the decision he made. Why do I bring this example up? In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, we read these words that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Many of us would be like that captain and we would say, well, we need to save as many lives as we possibly can. And so let's, let's leave both rescue boats here and let's just get as many people as we can. And then if, if we have time, we'll go to the other boat. When it comes to world missions, 
That's often the way that we think. We, and I've heard it said a lot over the years, why do we spend a lot of our resources, why do we send our people overseas when we have enough trouble here in America? When our nation is falling apart, why would we even go to an unknown land? Why would we go to across the pond and help people when we have enough problems here? Now, there is an element of truth. We have a lot of problems here. That's why we're praying for revival. That's why we have a local missions conference in the fall. We know that Knoxville and the surrounding communities have a lot of problems. That's why we want to plant a church, hopefully in the next year or two, because we see that the Great Commission is coming here. So yes, we do need to help our own community. But here's the thing. What I know about God is he thinks differently than we do. And his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And when it comes to world missions, God has a different view in mind than we do. His view is that the goal of the rescue operation should be to gather safe centers from every people in the world from both ocean liners. Even if some of the rescuers must leave a fruitful reached people, the first ocean liner, in order to labor among an unreached people group that might be possibly less, less fruitful the second ocean liner. So I want you to think about that. God would want us to go to both ocean liners. Why? Well, we see that all through the Bible. And the first place we see it is Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, the theme of our missions conference this year. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. As we look at this call on Abram's life from God, I'm going to look at two questions. Why should we reach the world and how do we reach the world? So why should we reach the world? Genesis 12, 3 tells us that we need to go to both ocean liners in that scenario. Why? Because it says, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's goal is for the nations to be reached, the unreached people groups to be reached. He doesn't want just a bunch of Americans in heaven. He wants people of different ethnicities, tribes, tongues, and languages in heaven. That's what he desires. And so his desire is that all the families of the earth be reached. Not every single individual, which we'll see here in a minute, but all tribes and tongues and people groups be reached for him. You know, what's interesting about Genesis 12, 3 is you see this phrase throughout the scriptures three other times. The second time is in Genesis 28, 14, when God once again blessed Abraham and he said, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread ab abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, when you do some Hebrew of the, the study of the original language of the Old Testament, you will find that all the families of the earth, families, is the phrase kol mishpolot, kol mishpolot, and it's where we get the word tribe or clan or even family from. So what we're seeing here in Genesis 12 and Genesis 28 is God's design for the world is that small groups of, 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 of tribes or peoples or families 
will get into heaven, will go into the kingdom. Not every individual, but all types of people and family groups and tribes. That's what we read in Genesis in the Old Testament. But then when you fast forward to the New Testament, you see the same phrase take place. Acts chapter 3, verse 25. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Again, he's quoting Genesis 12, but he's saying all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then the other account that we see is Galatians 3, verse 6 through 8. Just as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Notice the word nations is different than families. When you study the Greek here, you'll see that pantate ethne refers to smaller groups of people or a clan or a tribe, nation. So again, after you look at Genesis 12 and 28, if you look at the New Testament in Acts 3 and Galatians 3, what do you see? But you see that God's purpose for the world is that the blessing of Abraham, namely the salvation achieved through Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, would reach all the ethnic people groups of the world. This would happen as people in each group put their faith in Christ and becomes sons of Abraham and heirs of the promise of grace. So again, what is God's purpose and big plan for world missions, but it is to reach unreached peoples throughout the ends of the earth? Plain and simple. And you know what I love to do as a student of the Bible? I not only like to look at the beginning, but I like to look at the end. And when you go to Revelation, what do you see in heaven? What will we as Christians see when we get to heaven? I'll tell you what we'll see. Revelation 5 verse 9 tells us, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. This is heaven, my friends. Heaven is a picture of where we will see people from all different nations and people groups who will be worshiping the Lord together. It's gonna be a glorious experience that we have never or ever will face on this earth. It's going to be unbelievable. Revelation 7, if that doesn't excite you, Revelation 7, 9, after this, John said, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the land, the Lamb. Did you notice he says, no one could number this great multitude of people? This goes back to the promise that God gave to Abraham. He said, look up in the stars. You can't count the number of stars in the sky and I will give you your descendants. He said, the, the dust on the earth, think about all the dust particles. You can't count it. The sand on the seashore, think about all the sand particles. You can't count it. In the same way, heaven, it's, it says this, we can't count it. There's going to be a vast multitude of believers from all tribes and tongues and people groups. It's going to be glorious. That is God's plan for world missions. We're going to see it in heaven. So why should we support world missions? I just explained it. It's God's picture for the world. It's his big picture for heaven. And we're merely a part of that. 
And what a privilege it is to be a part of that. So the second question I have is, how do we support world missions? And there's three things that you often hear at missions conferences, and I'm just gonna say it to make it obvious. We're gonna pray, we're gonna give, and we're gonna go. Pray. You've heard me say before that prayer moves the hand that moves the world. God uses our prayers to accomplish his purposes. That's why we pray. And I'm pleased to tell you that we do now have a prayer booklet for you to take home with you. If you don't have one, I want everybody in this church to pick one up. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just saying, pick one up. (laughs) We got this prayer booklet for you behind you right here in this section, behind you in the hallway near our missions map. Please pick one up. Get to know who our missionaries are. Begin to pray for them in your regular devotional time or your family devotions. Put a face with the name. Andy Halbert has given us a great tool for us to use as we pray for them. Please pick one up and start praying for our 28 missionaries in 15 countries that we're supporting. If you get to a point in your prayers and and they seem a little rusty and it it seems just boring, your prayers, you know what I would encourage you to do? I would encourage you to open up the Bible, read specific passages on world missions, and then pray it back to God. For those of you note takers in the room right now, please write down these passages. We're looking at Psalm 57. I want you to look at Psalm 72. Psalm 96, Psalm 102, Psalm 108. Let me say those again. Psalm 57, 72, 96, 102, 108. Or you can go to Isaiah 52 or Isaiah 66. All of these passages are filled with God's greater vision for the world. And I would encourage you, if, you, if your prayers seem mundane or boring or simple, open up those passages in Scripture Read them out loud and then pray. Pray it. So let me give you an example of how to do this. Psalm 57, 9 through 11, wonderful passage. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, among your people throughout the world, I give you thanks. Lord, among all your people throughout the world, I sing praise to you. I give you thanks and sing your praises because of your steadfast and your unwavering love that is so magnificent that it reaches the heavens. Your faithfulness, Lord, reaches the skies. Thank you for your unwavering love and your consistent faithfulness to your people. I pray, Lord, that your glory will be over all the earth. Let the nations be glad as they proclaim your name. May your glory be known throughout the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I did? I just looked at that passage and I wrote it out. And I prayed it. I would encourage you to do the same. We see scripture after scripture after scripture throughout the Bible talking about God's greater picture and vision and mission for the world and to reach the unreached and that his glory would be made known throughout the ends of the earth. So please continue to pray. And if you haven't prayed yet, start praying, praying for our missionaries and praying that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we support world missions? Well, we pray. The second thing is we give. And you know, as I was thinking about giving to missions, I was thinking about this verse in Luke chapter 12. 
It tells us everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I keep thinking about that that passage living in West Knoxville, Farragut. I keep thinking about this passage and how many of us in this church have been given a lot. We've been given a great education. We've been given great jobs. We've been given great homes and cars. Some of us have a couple homes. Some of us are able to go to, to the lake every week in the spring. It's going to be wonderful, right? For those of you that love to do that. Some of you golf every week. I mean, we have been blessed beyond measure. And just as Genesis 12 tells us that God would bless Abraham to be a blessing to others, he has blessed us richly, abundantly, so we can be a blessing to others. And so again, it's my job to to preach and teach what God says, and it's my job to challenge you and to encourage you and to equip you and to and to convict you even by the Holy Spirit that we are all responsible for world missions. Every single one of us needs to play a part because every one of us is responsible. I don't care if you're a kid in this room or if you're a senior citizen, every one of us must play a part. And it might require sacrificing some of our resources. That's why we have faith promise every year And next week, I just want to prepare you, especially for you new members and guests that haven't been to an annual conference, we don't ask for money much, but every missions conference we do because it's part of our faith promise giving. We're going to hand out cards next week for you to prayerfully to consider what you can give. And we call it faith promise because it's really a promise that you're making to God that, Lord, I don't don't necessarily have it, but I'm, I'm I'm going to have faith that you'll provide whether you'll decrease my expenses, you'll increase my income, or I'll have to sell something. But the faith promise is above and beyond your tithe, just as we saw in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 and Philippians chapter 4, where people gave above and beyond their tithe to the world. And so this is our primary way that we give to support our 28 missionaries is by faith promise. And so at the end of our services next week, we're going to give you an opportunity to make a pledge and by faith to commit to to sacrificing a little so that the people groups will be reached throughout the nations. So again, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And look at that second part. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. You all know what that's like, many of you who own businesses or many of you who are in management. When you do a good job, you'll be given more to do. (laughs) It's just it. Many of you fit that bill, right? Well, God has given us so much, and so let's go and be a blessing to others, and that's one way we can do it is by giving. But the third thing I want to say here is we don't just pray for world missions. We don't just give of our talents and our time and our resources. We also go. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go. You know, that's very clear. Abraham lived in a very dark place. He was living on that ocean liner that was sinking. He could have stayed there and reached all the people in Ur. But God said, I have other plans for you, Abram. I want you to leave your dark place, your sinful place, and I want you to go to another dark and sinful place. But I'm gonna, I want you to be uprooted. I'm going to uproot you from your family. You're going to leave your comfort zone behind, and you're going to go to an unknown land that I will show you. And there you will be a blessing for generations to come. It took a lot of faith for Abraham, the first missionary of the Bible, to go. 
He left everything behind. It said his kindred, his family, he left them behind. And he went out of faithfulness because that was the call that God placed on his life. And I noticed this for the very first time, and you may have never noticed this either, but if you go back to Genesis 11 at the end, look what happens. Terah, who is the father of Abraham, took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Why do I bring this up? It's easy to miss. I've missed it, but I saw it this week, and I was like, oh, that's really something. Terah was the father of Abram. Terah and Abram began a journey, and we don't know why. It may have been that Abram got the call before this happened, and and Abram may have been taking care of his elderly father, but we do know this. Terah, the dad of Abram, died in Haran before they got to Canaan, or the promised land of Canaan. Why? Well, one, it's God's sovereign plan, but here's the thing I took away from it as. God called Abram to go to Canaan not his father, Terah. The calling was for Abram to go into an unknown land, not his dad. Now, there's two things I want you to think about. One, you may be an adult with adult kids in the room, or you may, be, you may have a high school kid that's feeling called to do something outside of this country. It'll be hard for you to say goodbye to them, but it might be necessary because that could be God's call on their life to go. And he may not be calling you to go, but he might be calling your own son and daughter to go. That could be one thing. But the other thing I want you to think about is the call, the importance of the call that God placed on Abram's life. He's saying, Abram, I want you to go, not your dad. And you gotta have to leave your extended family behind and go. You know, this is just the theme of Christianity. We are all, as Christians, called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. It's a radical commitment to follow him. And think about the disciples, how they gave up their, they gave up their jobs. They, they put the nets behind and they went and followed Jesus. Think about how Jesus told the parable of the rich man. He's saying, go and sell your possessions and then follow me. And he's like, what? It's a radical abandonment to go. It takes a lot of sacrifice and commitment to follow Jesus just being a Christian. But imagine being taking the call of being a missionary. It's radical. But God called Abram to do it, and Abram, by faith, did it. And God blessed him dramatically. I love the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. That's the life of being a believer. But being called to be a missionary (laughs) kind of takes it to the next level. And God might be impressing on some of your hearts right now that call. And if he is, I want you to follow it. I want you to scratch it like that itchy sweater. And I want you to come talk to me or Andy Halbert or to our elders, and we will help you get there. My dream for Christ's covenant and our elders' dream is that this place right here, Christ's covenant, becomes a training ground for more and more missionaries and pastors and and those who are even in the workplace to see it as their mission field. We want to train everyone here to go and be missionaries wherever they live, where can play. But some of you are called to go cross-cultural. And for those of you that are, we want to help you get there. 
And I am just pleased to say in the last four years, we have sent four of our family units from Christ's covenant out into the world. The Atchleys, a family of six, we took them to Athens, Greece several years ago. Me and Mark went and he loved it. And he said, we're going to Athens. What did he do? He learned, he learned Greek. And now they're in Athens, Greece. A family of six. Unreal. He was successful here, managed a, a nice coffee shop. He said, I'm going to go. He went. They went. The Rogers, Matthew and Kelly. Matthew and I grew up together. We've known each other since middle school. Our, our kids are the same age as their kids. Our kids were torn up when we had to send them off. I was torn up. Matthew's a dear friend of mine. But what did we do? We said, Matthew, God has put a call on your life because you've been to Utah several times with our youth ministry, and God is calling you to go and Kelly to go. And where are they now? They're in Utah, a family of six. Garrett Tucker. Garrett was one of our own covenant kids, grew up in this church. He went on a mission trip to Utah. He came back and he said, I got to go back. We're supporting Garrett. And now some of you may not know this, but Jason and Kim Rennick. Jason and Kim have felt the call to go to Portugal. Jason and Kim have been at Christ's Covenant since day one of our church. Can I say that again? They were part of our original core group 27 years ago that met in Cedar Springs Chapel for three months, and then they met for 10 years at Farragut in the gymnasium, and then they've been through the 17 years we've been here roughly. Jason and Kim have been committed to this church. They raised their, their kids in this church, and now in their second career, God is saying, sell your business and go. And we're sending them to Portugal with their youngest, Monica. So I want to call Jason and Kim up so you can see them, especially our new members who may not know them. Jason and Kim, please come up. We want to pray for you and Monica too. And elders, please come forward. I want you all to, to see them. I want you to be praying for them. And then when they officially leave in June, we will commission them out. But this is, this is what it's about. It's a training ground that we're, we're sending our people out into the world to do the work of the Lord. We're so proud of you. We love you so much. And we thank you for your commitment to this church and, and just your commitment to the, to, to the Lord and to this call. We love you. So I've asked Sean Gleason to pray for them. Okay, let's, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the Rennick's heart to share the gospel and to provide care for missionaries in the field. I thank you for the unique gifts that you've given each of them. Uh, Jason, Kim, and Monica uniquely to help them uh, prepare for this adventure. And I just pr pray that you would prepare their hearts as they, they get ready to go. Uh, help them with the ups and downs, the uncertainties, the challenges. Lord, help them to stay faithful. And I pray that you'd continue to give them their peace as they go through all of the preparation that they need to, need to do. And Lord, in that, I pray that you would be present in all of the details the travel plans, the visa plans, learning a difficult language, Lord. Um, all of those, I pray that they would remain faithful to you and that you would just give them great peace through all of that. And Lord, I pray that they would find or create a good Christian community in Portugal, that they can stay connected, that they can be well-fed themselves as they serve others in country. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare the hearts of the people in Portugal to receive the gospel uh, Lord, and I pray that you would bring many missionaries to them that need them and need the support of, of the ministry that they will provide. 
And Lord, I pray that you would bring a physical facility as well, a multifamily dwelling that they can use to, to serve you and to serve the missionaries. And for all of us who are going to be left behind, family members, friends, and church family, Lord, just pray that you would put it on our hearts to continue to pray for them and support them in all that they do. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. I mean, as you can see, this is what it's all about. And we love the Renix. Jason is a, a deacon at our church. Uh, Kim has led multiple women's uh, groups here, and we love them dearly. And this is a really, really big deal for our church. So please encourage them after the service. Please continue to pray for them. And if God is impressing on your hearts to go, uh, come talk to us, our elders, Andy Howard, myself, and we want to get you there. So again, uh, we are all called uh, to either pray, to give. Well, we're all called to pray and give. But some of us are called to go, and if you're called to go, we'll help you get there. Let's pray.